There are a few questions in here. Here's the first question. There are limited Dhamma talks in English available in your website. Is there a way I can borrow or download from somewhere? I have noticed a great collection in the temple's library. Well, um, there are only limited Dhamma talks in English available in the website, yes. But I think there's also English versions to it. If you click on carefully, I think there are quite a few. Uh, I think there is the, the Dharma Talk 1, which is on Zen Buddhism, and Dharma Talk 2 on cause and effect, and 3 is on something else. I don't know if we should set up, we should set up a precedent for, 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 for allowing people to borrow, uh, because we know that we don't have a, a qualified librarian. And if we start to let people borrow, our experience is that they never get returned. So um, until we have a qualified librarian on site to monitor the books, we cannot let people borrow. You can read it in here um, because there's no one who would trace books. Uh, if you borrow a book, and if we start to borrow a book, if 20 people borrow a book, you need a full-time librarian to trace where those books are and if they are due and they should be returned. That's what I can say. In the previous chapter of our Sutra, Siddhagabha uh, was crying day and night and also in her prayers, wondering where her mother was sent to. Was this crying generated by attachment to her mother? Well, if a mother passes away, uh, a lot of uh, daughters and sons would cry and would express emotion about it. And um, Siddhagabha Bodhisattva, in one lifetime, was a Brahmin girl. And uh, yes, she attached to the filial piety expressed unto her mother. But attachments could be in many forms if we can call them an attachment. Attachment could be to, to um, attachment to mental, mental afflictions, and there are also attach, attachment to enlighten, uh, to, to, to um, um, mentality striving towards enlightenment. It's just like when you are mentally attached to emotions, to passions, to greediness, hatred, jealousy, and all that is not good. But if you're attached to doing good deeds, it's still an attachment. I'm attached to helping people. I'm attached to being a volunteer to help in the hospitals. Um, I'm being attached to propagating uh, the Buddhist teaching in a certain way. Now, there are good desires and bad desires. You shouldn't be eliminating your good desire. You still have the desire to become the Buddha. You have the desire to be a better person. And if you're so attached to your mom that 
you always remember her love. You always have filial piety unto her because your mom has done a lot for you and you can remember her immediately after she passes away. Uh, that's, I think that's better than someone who, uh, who didn't really care about mom passing away. So what? Everybody passes away. Yeah, my mom passed away, so what? Everybody does that. Maybe it's good for her. She doesn't have to suffer anymore. And, uh, um, well, passes away. Um, okay, well, well, we'll simplify the funeral services. Why spend so much money? We'll just get a coffin and um, get a place or burn him to ashes. We don't need to spend any money on pet persons who pass away anymore. Let's be practical. There's so, so there's so many attitudes uh, on filial piety. Um, some people treat mom nicely. Some people treat mom not nicely. Which way you choose? Which way are you used to? Some people treat their mom so nicely that uh, a mom has got a terminal disease for, for, the last, for, the, for one year and these children could spend most of the time with their mom caring for the mom 24 hours a day. They really care for them. They do it by rotation. This month, I'll be on guard to look after mom. I'll spend 25, 24 hours, not 25, there's no 25 hours. I'll spend 24 hours per day, look after my mom for one month, and then you are next for another month. And then you are next for the third month. Some people are like that. And, uh, and some people don't really care. Which one do you, which one do you like? Or oh, you don't care. <laughs> well, they have good attachment and bad attachments. They're good attachment to do good deeds. But good or bad, it's still an attachment. We need Buddhism to get enlightened. We're, we're, we're attached to Buddhism so much. But after you get enlightenment, throw away Buddhism, no more. Don't attach to it anymore. Even Buddhism, you have to get rid of it. It's just a means to get to an end. But you can't get rid of Buddhism at the start. I want to go to Victoria, I want to get to the ferry on Nanaimo, and uh, once I get into the ferry, I get on shore, I don't want to leave, I want to attach to the ferry. Can you go ashore? You can never step ashore if you're attached to the ship. You've got to abandon it. No more attachment to the ship. But you still need that ship, do you? For getting to, for, to, getting to Victoria. But once you get to Victoria, leave the ship. So all this good, um, all compassion, helpfulness, loving-kindness, all these we need on the path of enlightenment. And once you get to the path of enlightenment, all these are also pollutants on the purity. They are good deeds. Even these attachments have to go. But you need these attachments. That's one answer to it. Good attachment. The second answer is, whether you treat a person nicely or not depends on your relationship with that person in your previous life. A mom could have, could have three children. One child didn't want to express filial piety. He hated mom. The other child loved the mom so much that he wanted to spend 24 hours a day 
to care for the mom. All these things, all these things is because of special relationship before. Um, maybe the Brahmin girl has special relationship with her mom, with, with her mom in her previous life. Her mom has so done so much for her that she cannot forget about her mom. So it's a special relationship. Some people you love more than the other. She may care for the mom, but not for the dad more, more than for the mom. So we don't know causality. As I said, it's extremely difficult to understand, to pierce through the details of causality. We can only see causality from the surface. Uh, the Buddha said it's extremely difficult to really understand the depth of causality. Um, it's even more difficult to understand than emptiness. Emptiness is a concept that it's, it's difficult to understand enough, but it's still easy to understand. But when you get to causality, it's extremely difficult. Only the Buddha knows. Only the Buddha knows what is in the potron, in the electron. Only the Buddha knows how the, earth, the, the world is created. How does it come out originally? Only the Buddha knows how come you get reincarnated month, uh, life after life. So I would say, yes, the attachment, yes, she was attached with the crying, generally by attachment to her mom. So uh, what's wrong with the crying in this case? She's not crying right at the bedside of her mom. She's crying because she yearned to know where her mom was cast into, uh, was sent to, because she worry about her mom. She has so much love with her mom that she can't forget it. Immediately after a family member passes away, which chant should be chanted and for how long? <clears throat> Immediately when a family member passes away, you have to know that um, first of all, you don't cry, you don't express emotion because he or she would not leave if you express emotions. Um, it depends on what the past way, the person who passes away believe in. If you believe in going to the pure land, then you chant Namo Amitabha. Not necessarily chanting immediately. When the person passes away, the consciousness may still stay within the body. The first function to pass away, as far as the six senses are concerned, is the eyesight. He or she couldn't see you anymore. But the listening is still there. Then you have to tell the, the person who passed away to let go. Don't think about us anymore. Let go, because if the person who passes away is not letting go of the body, he will still hang around, at least for 49 days. Because the first functionality to lose is the eyesight. And somehow the listening faculty will be the last one to go. So, so he or she can still listen to you, even though there's no breath, no more palpitation of the heart, no more wavelength, but he or she can still listen to you. So then at that moment, you're going to give him a brief lecture on how to, inter how to interact with death. Usually at the juncture of death, the person who passes away does not know because he has never in his life experienced death before. So he's just, he does not know. You and I, do you know death? Have you had death experiences before? If you have death experiences before, then you know death. But if you don't have death experiences before, you don't know death. 
So everybody is sort of curious about what would happen to me when I die. So at that moment when he passes away, he does not know that he passed away already. He could roll his eyes up and open his mouth. And then all of a sudden he knew that he, he, he lose all this functionality of the senses. He didn't even know he's dying. Because nobody wants to die. Of course, if you have terminal illness, you know that you're going to die, but you don't know when. But when you're dying, you don't really know dying because you haven't experienced it. But at that moment, you roll up your eyes. There's a reason why when people passed away, they usually opened their eyes first and then they closed it. Opened their mouth because they were too shocked. At that moment, what do you do? You got to talk to him. Now, you passed away. Let go of your body. Don't attach to your family anymore. Don't attach to your estate. Don't attach to your money. Don't attach to your wife, your husband, your children. No more of those. Let go of all those. Go to a purer land. Go to a better land. And let me chant for you so that you can get the power from Bodhisattvas and Buddhas to, to elevate yourself to a higher realm. And then, after that, you start to chant Amitabha. And you all you start to chant Om Mani Padme Hum, whatever mantra you are used to. So if you're asking me what to chant, I would say, why don't you just talk very, whis or whisper in his ears, or in her ears, uh, that she's got to let go. And as a matter of fact, you should talk to him or her before he passes away. Like I remember, uh, we got a family, uh, we got, no, uh, we, we, we got a, a, a member here. I think Lee experiences that, right? When you, you talk to the, the doctor who was bedridden for 12 years, uh, every day, uh, you know, occasionally you went to him and you talked to him about emptiness, about letting go of the body and all that. And um, he passed away peacefully and, and, and he knew all this. So, so that really helped. So you should really talk to him. That's the reason why it's important for us to learn not at the juncture of death. We start to learn about the Buddhist teaching much, much earlier than death. All right, here immediately after chanting, you give a lecture and you chant Amitabha. And I think that's end for my questions, for my uh, answers to the questions. And, but a, a few reminder, Last week, um, there was a question that asked, um, and, and, and the, the, quest, the, the, um, the person who asked the questions request that those who participate in meditation class, they must not wear any perfume. And I would like to repeat it again. Make sure that when you come for the meditation class, don't wear any perfume. Don't put on any perfume, cologne, and make sure that you don't jog for one hour get the whole body sweaty and then you come for meditation because you don't want to subject the nose of your neighbor to the pungence of the sweaty smell. I've, I've, I've got people who complain about that. They said, I've got a person next to me and I have to move, but you've told us not to move. I don't know what to do. I want to move because I can't subject my nose to that kind of pungent smell. On the other hand, I can't move. What do I do? Well, maybe you get a, a cloth pet. <laughs> Just squeeze up the nose like that, put it in here, and then continue to meditate so that your neighbor knows about it and he's not going to do it next time. <laughs> I don't know what to say. 
So make sure that your body is not sweaty. You got to take a bath before you come to meditation. Make sure that your socks are clean. Well, there's so many instances where you subject your nose to, this, to the pungent smell of people's socks from a distance. So make sure you do all that before you come for meditation. Otherwise, it's, otherwise it's not a meditation hall, it's a torture chamber. 